Good morning. That's what I'm talking about. Y'all are awake. This is good. Uh, man, y'all are a fun church to worship with. Kyle and Macy, thank y'all um, for leading us in a time of worship this morning in band. Um, that, was, that was phenomenal. Um, as Jeff said, my name is Matt Mabry. I, uh, I'm the college pastor at First Baptist Church in Stephenville. And so my job and my goal in Stephenville is to reach the, the students of Tarleton State which is a Division II school of about 10,000 students, uh, really from all over the state of Texas, but also all over the country. Uh, we have a, a lot of um, athletes that come out of, of state, uh, mainly for rodeo. Uh, we attract a lot of students from the north, um, but we also, uh, just, just from all over the, the, the globe, really, we have an international program. And so part of my job at First Baptist is to reach students, um, very similar to uh, exactly pretty much to what Corey and Crystal do here um, at Memorial and reaching Mary Hart and Baylor. And so um, that is, that's what I do. Um, Jeff, like he said, did not just come find me randomly off the street and ask me to come speak to his students. So uh, this is something that the God has called me to and is a passion and a calling of mine is to train up uh, the next generation to, uh, to be the church, um, to be leaders in their homes, in their church, in their, in their workplace, um, and, uh, and to equip them to do such, uh, such things. And, um, and so churches like you that take an investment in college students and in the youth group, uh, y'all, are, y'all are changing um, not just um, them for now, but you're changing the world for better for the future. And so thanks for taking an investment in them, and thank you for uh, having me this morning, Pastor Ridge, for allowing me to speak. Um, y'all's pastor is, is definitely one of the greatest men I know. Uh, he is, is one of the most faithful men and a man of character and integrity. And um, it's cool. He, he doesn't grow tired of, of doing uh, the things that God leads him to do. And so thank you for being a great example to me and, and also your church in that. And, and Jeff, for having me come speak this weekend uh, to your students. Y'all have an amazing youth group. Um, I told them last night. Yeah, that's worth clapping for. Um, I told him last night that uh, it's not everywhere I go that I, I see youth that know how to worship the way they do. Um, that they, they have a sense of maturity in the way they approach the throne of God through song. Uh, and, and it was cool to be a part of that. But they also are great listeners. Um, it's not easy on a Disciple Now weekend to stay awake. Uh, I mean, I'm speaking and I get tired, right? So, uh, I mean, but they do a good job holding it together. They may be sleeping with their eyes open, but nonetheless, their eyes are open. And uh, they, make, they make me think they're listening. So... Um, if, if they're going to hang with this morning, we have no excuse to do the same. So, um, students, I've enjoyed the weekend. Y'all are awesome, powerful group of people. And uh, we're going to kind of tie a bow on the remnant um, this morning. So open up to the book of Joshua. And as you're flipping there, I'm going to go to the book of Micah just to read the, the key verses for this weekend. But y'all, Joshua is in the Old Testament. Y'all head there. This morning I woke up, um, I was talking to Jeff with some lower back pain. Uh, I thought that I had some kidney problems just from the amount of coffee I've been drinking this weekend. Um, but then I was talking to someone here earlier and I like, I don't know if I went in for a handshake or crossed my arms or something, but my whole body started aching. Um, it's because I realized yesterday I played gaga ball with the students for about 30 minutes and bending over and blocking your shins and uh, swatting the ball really worked some muscles that apparently I hadn't worked in a while. And so if you see me stretching up here this morning, that's why, um, because I may be collapsing from a lower rib pain, but um, they they worked my cardio yesterday, and I'm feeling it today. But I want to start off reading the Micah chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, which are the verses that Jeff chose for this weekend uh, for the remnant. 
And it says, I will surely gather all of you, O Jacob. I will surely bring together the remnant of Israel. I will bring them together like sheep in a pen, like a flock in its pasture. The place will throng with people. One who breaks open the way will go up before them, and they will break through the gate and go out. Their king will pass through before them, the Lord at their head. And so this weekend we, we've spent, I think I've had three sessions with the students. Uh, the first night we just defined what the remnant is. Like Jeff said, it is a group of people, um, more than just leftovers or those that have, that have remained, but it's more so because we believe God is sovereign, a group of people that he has set aside specifically uh, to bring praise and, and, and honor like we sing about to his holy name. And so uh, those of us who have a personal relationship with Jesus, we talked on Friday night, are the ones that are part of the remnant. Jesus says in John 14 that um, I'm going to leave you for a little while to go and prepare a place for you, but I will come back and get you. And so the, Micah chapter 2 points to the Messiah coming and bringing us back, as Jesus does, and as so much the New Testament um, says that our hope is in the promise that, uh, of eternal life and that Jesus is going to come back and get us. Um, and so the, we, we discussed that and, and, and talked about that. And then yesterday uh, we looked at a calling of the disciples and defined the term disciple as um, a disciplined follower of a master um, or an authority figure. And that person being Jesus Christ. When we say to be disciples of Christ, we are followers who have trained ourselves to be disciplined in following him, but becoming more like him in the process to do the things that he has called us to do. And then last night we wrapped up uh, the third session with... Um, with looking at 2 Corinthians 5.17, how we are new creations when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. And we looked at three things that, that Paul encourages us to do, which is live a life of Jesus um, through that new creation and, uh, and also be different from the world. And so we talked about how, that, how we get saved and what, um, what Jesus did for us. And so this morning, um, we're going to look at the book of Joshua because as I was reading this, um, it, it was just kind of brought to my attention and just remembering some things from the Old Testament. We, didn't spend, we haven't spent a lot of time there, and, and I wanted to because it is so powerful uh, in the way that it points us to how we're supposed to follow our Master and, and our Lord. And it is Disciple Now weekend, so I wanted to, to talk about how do we do discipleship as the remnant. And Joshua 3 is a, a great story, and so if you, that's where we're going to be. And, and we're going to start in verse 2. Um, and we're going to do some skipping around, but I'll, I'll lead us through that. We're not going to read, we're going to cover two chapters through about, but only in about 14 verses, okay? And so um, we're going to start in, in verse 2. But before that, just to know what's going on, we're early in the book of Joshua. Up to this point, uh, Moses has been leading the people. He's been leading the Israelites, he led them out of Egypt, across the Red, the Red Sea. Um, and now they've been wandering in the desert. And, uh, and, and for, for 40 years, and the generation has died off um, that was not faithful to God and not obedient to, to him leading them. Uh, and now you have Moses died at the end of Deuteronomy. In verse 1 it says, after Moses' death, God called Joshua to step up and lead the people. And Joshua was a disciple of Moses. Um, he was his right-hand man. He was his aide. Uh, he did everything that Moses did and um, he was a leader of the people. And so at this point, he's been called up and charged by God. Hey, don't let the book of the law depart from your mouth. Continue to teach and train the people about me, about my word. But at the same time, be strong and courageous. Don't be fearful. Because you're going to come up against some things that you're going to think are impossible. And that you're, gonna be, you're just going to have to fight that, that uh, temptation to be, to be fearful. Therefore, I'm going to constantly remind you. And throughout the whole book of Joshua is a theme. Be strong, Joshua. Be courageous, Joshua. And so um, you get to verse or chapter 2. He sends out the spies to Jericho, and you have Rahab, um, sh- sh- who helps them escape. 
And because of that, she puts a scarlet cord outside her window. And uh, when the Israelites come and, and conquer Jericho after marching around it seven times, um, the city falls. Everyone is, is um, rid of that city except for Rahab and her family because of her assistance to the Israelites. And she starts living with them. And then you get into chapter 3. Um, but before they have gone into the promised land, the spies come back and say, Look, that place is ours for the taking. They're trembling with fear because of what our God has done. And so they're sitting on the edge of the Jordan River. And this is where we're going to pick up in verse 2. It says, After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people that when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying the Ark, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Verse 5, Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. And Joshua said to the priests, Take up the ark of the covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. Now hop on over to uh, to verse 14 of chapter 3, the same chapter. Verse 14, it says, So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan River, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during the harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing, and it piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan, while the water flowing down to the Salt Sea was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Verse 17, the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. So we're going to stop there um, for for just a second. We've read verses 2 through 6 and hopped over and read verses 14 through 17. But there's some some key things in here that I think as, as being a people that are supposed to bring honor and glory to God's holy name that we can learn from Joshua and his leadership and that we can learn from the Israelites and even some things we can learn about the character of our God to help us know him better and know him more. And so um, we're going to look at just a few things. We're going to unpack this a little bit. But uh, the first thing I want you to see here is in verse 4, Joshua tells the people, the Ark of the Covenant is going to come by you. All right, have your tents packed up, have your family ready to go. It's going to march by you with the Levites carrying it, heading to the flooded Jordan River. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to wait until it's a thousand yards past you, and then I want you to hop in line and start following that Ark of the Covenant of the Lord our God. And so a thousand yards, uh, I did the math, is a little over half of a mile. Um, I think 900 meters is what it is. So if you're a track star, that's two times around the track plus 100 meters. So it's a little over a half of a mile that God... Um, desires for, for, for his people to follow in behind the ark. And so when, when I read that, I'm thinking, why not right behind it? Why not, uh, why not even closer? Maybe why not out in front? And it, it makes sense to me, if you read about the Ark of the Covenant, it is the symbol of God's presence among his people. Uh, the, ark, the ark was a representation and a picture of God amongst his people. When the ark was there, the people were at peace. When the ark was there, they knew that God's presence was with them. Inside of the ark was the Ten Commandments, was uh, Abraham, uh, Abram's staff, or Aaron's staff, and, uh, and the manna that fell in the desert uh, while God took care of his people. Those are some articles that were within the ark of the covenant to, to remind the people that this is God's presence with us. And so Joshua says, stay away from it, because if you read in Scripture, if someone touches the ark, they instantly die 
because the ark was so holy because it was God's presence, just like we're not allowed to be in the presence of God unless it's through the blood of Jesus because we're impure and sinful people. It was the same thing for the Israelites. Stay away from God, not because he doesn't want a relationship with you, but because he is so holy, we have to keep a little bit of a distance. So that's the first thing I want you all to see here about, um, about how we're to follow God is that we're supposed to respect and honor God's holiness. We, we are not supposed to be um, so close to God that we are calling the shots and that we tell God how things are supposed to be done, but we are supposed to respect his holiness. We sang about it this morning. Uh, the, the song choices for this morning were, were spot on with what we're talking about. Um, but we have got to let God be God in our lives. And, and for, for youth um, in junior high and in high school and for students, um, that is something that uh, the, the culture, and, and for all of us, just constantly tells us, man, you take care of you. It's about you. Um, man, you do things for you. Do things the right way, which are the things that please you and make you happy. But God says, man, it's not about you. Get behind me and follow at a half a mile's distance, and I'm going to lead you. And so um, keep, a, keep a distance. Have that respect. Have that reverence and that, that sense of awe and fear for, for, who, um, for who God is. The second thing that, uh, that I want you to see is, is keeping, keeping on reading over into verse 14 through 17. Um, and even early on, Joshua tells the people, hey, uh, follow it. Follow the ark uh, of, of the covenant of the Lord our God. Stay that distance away, but I want you to follow, follow it. And so um, the second thing that God shows us here is, look, we're supposed to follow God's lead in our life. Just as the Israelites are to follow God to the Jordan River, which tells us it was at flood stage, meaning that it was, um, it was probably over its banks and it was flooding um, and it was moving rapidly and it had you stepped into it, you'd be swept off and drowned, um, which I think is awesome that our God works that way. He didn't just wait till, hey, Joshua, wait till the, the, the flood stages are over. He says, no, now's the time to go. Let me show you how big of a God I am. I'm going to stop a flooded river miles upstream and you're going to walk along on dry ground. So the question I want to ask you all this morning is, do you let God lead you? Do you allow God to lead you, even if it's leading you into what looks like to be a terrible uh, possibility of, of an outcome of walking across a flooded river? But the whole Israelite nation listened to Joshua and his leadership because they knew God had anointed him. And they said, Joshua, we'll follow at half a mile's distance and we'll also follow to that river. Now, I put myself in the Levite's position and just kind of take a, a different angle on this. How would you like to be the guys carrying the ark that have to first step into the river? Talk about some faith, man. Like, no questions asked. Uh, this doesn't look right, but we'll step into it. And it says, as soon as their foot hit the water, God stopped the river upstream. And, and so look at verse 17. Here's why we follow God. They carried the Ark of the Covenant. Those that were carrying it stood firm on dry ground. Circle that, underline that, mark that in your Bibles. They stood on dry ground in the middle of a flooded Jordan River. While all the nation of Israel, millions of people, passed by them, until they had completed the crossing on, again, dry ground. So the river was flooded. If you know, if you've ever been around water, you step where water was days after it was there, uh, except for maybe in a, a drought, um, instant drought in Texas. I mean, there's mud there. It, it is, it's sticky, it's muddy. There's ruts. Um, you drive across it, you get stuck. But God tells us here, the Israelites don't have to worry about that. They walked across on instantly dry ground. And what I think is great is that although we are to follow God and let God lead, he waits for his people to walk by. He stands there 
with the, he has Levites stand there with the Ark of the Covenant and say, y'all walk on by. I'm, the, I'm God's presence. I'm with you as you're crossing this dry ground. I'm holding the river back. Every one of them gets done crossing, and then the Ark of the Covenant closes in behind his people. Like, what a God of peace, and what a God of comfort. Look, I'm going to make you a little uncomfortable on the front end because I want you to trust me and obey me and be faithful to me, but I'm going to follow right up behind you and protect you the rest of the way. And so this is just a cool picture for us that follow Jesus and have faith in Jesus Christ that when we let God lead and we have a relationship with the Father, um, man, he shows up in a powerful, powerful way. And so uh, I I was talking with Corey earlier and the story that comes to mind for me, when I read this, a New Testament passage is, is when the, uh, the, Jesus is walking on water. And the disciples look out and they see what they think is a ghost. And Jesus says, no, man, it, it's I, it, it's me. And Peter says to Jesus, hey, if it's really you, ask me to come meet you out in the water. And Jesus says, all right, come on. And I can just picture Peter getting out of the boat with his robe on, you know, picking it up. And standing on water. And he just starts walking to Jesus. And following Jesus' lead. Now, we know the rest of the story. He sees the storm. He hears the thunder. He sees the lightning. He sees the waves. And he gets fearful and starts to sink. So Jesus has to come up to him and says, Look, man, you have little faith. Let's go back to the boat. But Peter still had to walk back on water to the boat. Like, uh, he, Jesus didn't just grab him. You know, like when you're on a fishing line, and blah, 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 like all the way back to the boat, and he just had water hitting his face. Like, Peter walked back to the boat with Jesus on the water. And so, although sometimes we may tend to be like Peter in that moment where we get out of line and we don't want to follow or we get scared and don't want to cross the river, although it is dry, we still serve a God that wants to come alongside us, pick us up, and walk with us the rest of the way. And so, as the remnant, as those people that follow God, we've got to learn to place ourselves under his authority and let him lead us in our life. Have a peace about it because following God always leads to victory. You continue reading the book of Joshua, um, you know that the, the Israelites don't complete the task that God gave them because they quit following God. But had they continued to follow him, we could have a completely different outcome. But throughout it is, Jesus comes, puts himself on the cross, and raises himself from the dead so that we can have a relationship with him and experience his power daily through the Holy Spirit in our lives. But we have got to learn to submit to God's leadership in our life. Although it may be uncomfortable and it may be inconvenient and it may be a little weird and doesn't seem like the right time, God wants us to trust him and have enough faith to continue pursuing his leadership. And so there's, there's a couple of things that, that I want you to see here in chapter 4 as, as, we, as we wrap up. Go over to chapter 4, looking at verse 18. We're going to cover two chapters this morning. Um, so look at verse 18, and we're going to wrap up uh, that, the book, the chapter 4 in Joshua. It says, And the priests came up out of the river, carrying the ark of the covenant of the Lord. No sooner had they set their feet on the dry ground than the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and ran at flood stages before. So instantly they stepped out, and the water comes back. Verse 19, On the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the twelve stones they had taken out of the Jordan. And he said to the Israelites, In the future, when your descendants ask their fathers, What do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan just what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we crossed over. 24. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. Amen. So they cross the Jordan, and God tells Joshua, hey, send 12 guys back 
Each of them needs to get a big rock and carry it back over into the promised land with them to represent the 12 tribes of Israel, but also, um, as you see there, not only just to represent them, but so in the future when your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren walk past these 12 rocks that are stacked up, they'll say, Dad, Granddad, Mom, Grandma, what are these stones here for? And they can then tell their children, God showed up. We had a God moment. I was faithful enough to walk across a a flooded Jordan River uh, that God then made dry ground for me to get across. I experienced God's power, and this is so I can remember that, and you can remember that. And now go and continue being faithful and trusting God and his leadership for our nation and for you as, as, a, as a person. And so um, I, I want to, when I read this, I'm challenged and charged. I told you that part of my, uh, part of my ministry is to equip and train up the next generation um, uh, for, for God's glory and to serve him. Look, us as a church has, have, have got to remember that um, no matter what age you are, no matter what you've done in the past, we all have a testimony or should have a testimony of what God has done in our life. And, and your, your testimony is your story, and it's a story of how you've experienced God's power in your life. And we never get to a point in our life where we stop experiencing God's power if you're being faithful to him. And so um, I just want to encourage you to, to testify to those around you, to the younger generation. Continue investing in the youth. Continue to pour into them and let them know that the God we serve is a powerful God, and continue to have those altars in your life that you can point people to say, hey, let me tell you about that time I encountered God. That way, the next generation coming up behind you can continue to say, hey, I heard the story one time about how God showed up. Now let me tell you about how I experienced God to the next generation, and so on and so forth. Man, that is such a beautiful picture of discipleship that we see here. Let me tell you how I've encountered God so you can then trust him and continue to encounter him. So is the way that you are following Jesus, is it worth telling people about? I think, I think God paints that for us here. Do you have an altar in your life, a, a moment in your life, in your past, um, and hopefully coming up in your future, maybe more recent than, than too far long ago, that you can say, hey, I'm living a life that is so glorifying to God that I want to tell you about it. Tell the believers, tell the non-believers. Faithfulness is what God requires, and sometimes it requires us to have strength Encouraged, just like God constantly tells Joshua over and over again. Um, as I was studying this, it, it reminded me of a hymn that I grew up singing that, that we sing sometimes. Um, y'all know, wherever he leads, I go. Wherever God leads, I go. Um, I'll follow my Christ who loves me so wherever he leads, I'll go. Even if that means, hey, I'm going to take you to a flooded river, expect me to do something powerful at that flooded river. Wherever he leads, I go. The crossing of the Jordan, as we read, it was not an act of the people, but it was an act of God. So that the foreign nations would know his power and so that we as his followers would continue to fear him and be faithful and obedient to him. And so are, are we living a life that shows that power? Uh, look, I just want to encourage you as, as we wrap up um, that God desires for us to invest and to testify to the next generation. Um, always and constantly, but he desires for us to continue growing in our faith as well. And, and here at Memorial Baptist, uh, talking with Pastor Ridge and talking with your staff, which is phenomenal, by the way, um, y'all, y'all seem to be doing that well. Please, please don't stop. Don't stop losing sight that, that um, the church is now, but the church is, is later as well. Until the Jesus comes back, we're supposed to continue doing what he's called us to do. Don't grow tired in that. Continue being passionate about doing things that make you a little uncomfortable so you can then grow in your faith and continue to experience the power of God. Um, look, for, for the time of invitation this morning, um, 
I'm not sure when, when the band needs to come back up or if we're singing one at the end, but um, I, I just want to encourage you to invite you to respond this morning and this week with living a fuller life of faithfulness and following God's lead in your life. Because when we follow, we then grow in our faith and God can take us deeper and take us further. But um, as I've asked the youth this weekend, I'll just ask the church, you have to first initially have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ in order to follow God. You can't go to the next step with your Heavenly Father if you haven't taken that first step of salvation. We sing about the cross, we sing about His resurrection. That means something, and you have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ for that to change you so you can start following God where He wants to lead you. You've got an amazing youth group. I hope you'll continue to invest in them. You've got an amazing youth pastor who loves his youth, and it, Jeff is great with them. He is, he is so good with his youth. They love him. He loves them. And you've got a mature group and a group that's continuing to mature. They're going to make some ripples and some dents in, this, in their schools, in this community. And I, I pray and hope that you can see that and that you'll continue to love on them and encourage them. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. And I just thank you so much for your word. Father God, I thank you for, um, for the book of Joshua and how you, you showed up in the Israelites' life. And God, how you showed up in Joshua's life and made yourself known and made your power known to them. God, I thank you for the way they were faithful in that story. So we, we now can be encouraged to remain faithful to you and to follow you even in uncertainty. And God, that I pray that, that we would continue to follow you, um, God, and continue to respect your holiness and not lose sight that you are a God that deserves our respect, that deserves us to fall on our knees and worship and praise you and to lift your name up. God, I pray that we can be a, a people that isn't afraid to, to testify about what you've done in our life um, to, to the, the next generation, but also currently to those around us. I pray over this church that, God, they would continue to encounter you as they have and continue having uh, awesome experiences with you and, and training up the youth and the students and, and their families um, and their own personal lives, God. Um, we love you, and we thank you so much for your son, Jesus Christ. And it's his name I pray. Amen.